Welcome everyone to another episode of Music, Movies and Madness. I'm David, your host, joined by usual cohorts of Martin, Ian and Glenn. Hey fellas. Mm-hmm. Hey, Hello. Right, we're going to do the second part of our collaboration episode where we are uh, reviewing some of the greatest, which is a very subjective term, uh, mm-hmm. collaborations in studio uh, musicness, whatever you call it. Um, like I said on the last episode, we've kind of steered away from live gigs because they're everywhere. And maybe that's another session actually um, to do mm-hmm. live gigs. But this is really just looking at sort of studio collaboration. So we had some interesting picks last episode. We had the world's greatest guitarist, Eric Clapton at the time, self, self-appointed and sniggering. But he knows it's true. We also had uh, some Stones. We had some Phil Collins. We're going to look at what our second picks are. So starting this time, we're going to start with Ian, because he looks least prepared. And we're going to kick off with your first track, mate. What have you got for us? Yeah, this is actually a, 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 a sort of a favourite for me, I think, because going through all these collaborations is like there's so many. And I just thought, well, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. But this was this is actually a, almost a favourite song of mine. I really love this song. So I'll give you a bit of a rundown. It's released in uh, 1989. Comes out as a single. Um, it's the B side is is quite an interesting song that they had. It was called Dancing Barefoot. Uh, I'm not going to give you too much more information. I'm just going to keep it <laughs> but the song yeah 1989 came out uh possibly the biggest rock band of that era that time maybe and they're huge they actually i've even got the clip here where he explains what they do believe it or not bb king came to dublin ireland and he was playing in this this club in Dublin, Ireland, and we wrote this song for him. It's called uh, When Love Comes to Town. And there you go, the man himself, Bono, you too. And yeah, the song When Love Comes to Town, featuring my favourite all-time guitarist, BB uh, King, who at that time was 62. Can you believe it? He was 62 years old. Yeah. But... Um, he would have it's, looked it's, at you two and gone, you guys are just kids. Yeah. They would have been in their, what, 20s or something. Yeah, that's right. I'd have late 20s. And um, he says in that live clip, it's all on YouTube, but he, he does say there, he makes a comment where he remarks on, on Bono's lyrics. It's from the album Rattle and Hum. And mm. he says, your lyrics are genius, man. He says, I love your lyrics. Really? Very wow. deep. Mm. And he also... You know, he says, I can't really play chords, so I'll just jam on this sort of thing. But um, reading it, there's a great write-up on, on Wikipedia, and and The Edge, uh, really quite interesting when you read about it. Uh, and the band were going fine. I mean, you two were absolutely at the top of the game in, in late 80s. They were kicking ass. Uh, they didn't really need anyone to spruce anything up. Uh, they just got some, some good inspiration, and... You have two guitar players that completely admire each other. 
you have a singer that also admires another singer so there's a lot of admiration going on which I always find makes for a nice collaboration not just when they're in the shit you know but they're actually bringing someone in that they love uh, I mean what a thrill couldn't get any better than that um, they performed the song became a, a bit of a performance for them when they're doing the live stuff so I think uh, I read here they gigged it 46 shows out of 47 um, and when BB King passed away, they they played it uh, quite often in in respect, you know, for their hero. Yeah. And yeah, I'll give you two versions now. So this is the version you're probably familiar with. This is off the Rattle and Hum album, When Love Comes to Town. Beautiful, well produced, tight as anything, and this just out of interest, you might be interested in it, but it's a deep dive, so um, this is the B.B. King's version, because he used to gig this song on his own, yeah, yeah. so this is the B.B. King version, which I actually hadn't really heard much of, but love it, so yeah, check this out. I was lucky enough to actually see um, that tour where Baby was um, supporting you too. He was phenomenally good. Yeah. He was just so, so good. Never played chords. Just just did that. Um, and if you watched, um, yeah, watching that, have you guys watched the Rattle and Hum movie? Eh? He's so funny oh, on it. Oh, brilliant. You know, like, oh, he, there's that cool bit in it. He's like, Bono's like, here's the lines, and he's working them through, and he goes, man, you're young to be writing such old lyrics, aren't you? <laughs> and he goes, and then he's yeah. like, oh, oh, look, guys, I don't really do chords. And and then you know, Bono's like, yeah, yeah, Edge, Edge can do chords. He can do your chords. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I can do chords. And like, they're in awe of this man. <laughs> and it's just, and he's like, I just do this. And he's like, yeah. it's just a classic, great moment from that film. Just the awe and love they've got for him. Yeah, it's a, it makes for a good collaboration. Just huge mm. respect. It's, it's obviously oh. a hero, right? And yeah. uh, I think if you get someone in when everything's going wonderful, it just must elevate everything to another level. But funny enough, hearing the BB King version, you're listening to a, I mean, what do you prefer, the 77-year-old playing it or the 63-year-old playing it with you too? Well, it's a yeah. tough one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they both sound fabulous. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, because yeah. he brought he brought the whole band with him. He had the full BB yeah. King horn section yeah. and everything. So yeah. he he was a revelation. You two were okay. They were right. They're pretty good. Yeah. But BB King is the thing. I think my dad went away from that show going, man, that BB King, he's awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah, he really man. was. Wish I'd have seen him. Man, so it was much. wonderful. Mm. There's my deep dive. Yeah, when love comes to town, love nice. it. Great what scene. a pick. What a great yeah, pick. Yeah, good mate. choice. Yeah, thank you. All right. I'm going to go next just because 
I think Martin's probably got my song. <laughs> so I'm going to go for something. I don't think he has, actually, but I'm going to go anyway. Uh, I think this is one that I only picked up on today because it was in the news. And I thought, shit, that's a great song. I actually love the video, too. Uh, don't Give Up, Peter Gabriel, Kate Bush. Uh, this oh, yeah, is a good song. This, this is a song that was played at Matthew, Perry. Matthew Perry's funeral. This is the song, the last song they played mm. at the funeral yesterday and had everyone absolutely going for the Kleenex. Has um, he died? Has he, yeah, I was just going to say. Isn't he that guy passed that... away. Mm. What, what was he in? Friends. He was in Friends, which was a show back in the Chandler. 90s. Was it Chandler? Uh, Chandler? Yep. Oh, that one. Someone oh, mentioned God. Friends before on the previous yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh. So... I only thought of it because I I saw it on the um, news um, this morning. So this, interestingly enough, this was meant to have been sung. So it's Peter's Peter's song, Um, uh, 1986. Peter's obviously ex-Genesis. Kate Bush has got a career, well-established career by now. And they had originally a plan for Dolly Parton to sing that part that Kate sings. Um, She turned it down. And Kate Bush, who's a, is, was a type, you know, already had long term, um, long term friend of Peter's, um, stepped in and uh, sings the more uplifting part because it is a pretty sad song. It's about, mm. um, it's inspired by um, one Dorothea Lang, um, who was a, a photographer from the early 1900s. And did a lot of photography around the Depression time, um, 1930s, around that time. Um, a couple of very famous portraits are out there. Um, an immigrant woman holding her kids, sort of looking despondent. It's a very famous photograph. Um, this song's inspired by um, this artist and this photographer. And uh, and obviously, it's a bit all about, you know, obviously, don't give up. Um, have you seen the video? Because they're, they're sort of, it's really simple. They're just, they're just sort of in each other's arms. And slowly turning it's like they're on a lazy susie it's like, like they're on a giant lazy yeah. susie that's spinning very slowly and first you get peter singing and you see his face and then as it gets to the chorus where kate comes in and says don't give up sort of you see her face and just it keeps just basically and they just sort of embrace it's very simple but quite an emotional kind don't of video Fucking good, isn't it? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a ma- it is a masterpiece. Really good. Yeah. It's good, man. 
Yeah, well written, well song. produced, um, mm. and you, yeah, you, it's it's just one of those songs that gets played at all of those sorts of occasions when you need a song to sort of um, give you hope, I guess, and sort of lift you up. And that's kind of what it's about. So it's you re-listening to that. I've heard it loads of times, but mm. listening to that on headphones, it's it actually sounds tonight for me very beautiful. Sounds like a beautiful song. I wouldn't say like a downy song. It's beautiful. Oh, it's an yeah, uplifting the, song. Dun, that's dun, the whole. Dun, 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 that, I mean, that's the um, premise of stuff. Don't yeah. don't give up. And if uh, when I, I mean, I probably, I mean, it's one of those songs been around forever because you know since '86 and and but I didn't listen to the lyrics until maybe about five years ago, and I was watching something on YouTube, and I was just watching them, and it was like I actually listened to the words for the very first time. And I was like, mm. oh my God. And then I, you know, you, you scroll up the comments and you and it's just person after person after person saying mm. what it meant to them. I use this for my brother's funeral. I use this, mm. you know, to get me through drugs. I get use this to get me through a hard time of separation. All these sorts of comments and the, you know, and it was like, wow, geez, this is one of those songs that's obviously um well loved and means a lot to a lot of people. So here you go. Peter Gabriel's Peter Gabriel's so good. I've been listening mm. to a lot of his stuff, more of it, going back to it. Wow, he's so good, man. Genius. Yep. Such a good Absolutely. artist. Yep. Thing, the other thing that stands out for me on that track is the bass playing. Tony mm. Levin's bass mm. playing is just phenomenal. Oh, I know. But it's Tony, and that. It's yeah. always going to be, like, super <clears throat> class. Yeah. All right. I mean, cool. Oh, sorry, Ian. No, I was just going to say, you know, would he be, you know, one of the best sort of artists ever up there? Oh, he's... Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's top top shelf. A top he shelf, is, hey. top shelf. I think he's probably actually one of the most influential. Um, he's, he's maybe not always kind of like at the forefront because he takes so long between albums. I mean, between his last one and his next one, has been twenty years. But you know, it was just insane amount of time. But it, like every time I see interviews with with other artists and stuff, that always quite peter gabriel is like a mm. benchmark to kind of in terms of songwriting you know what it is because he doesn't play it safe mm. he challenges oh. it he pushes it he pushes himself and he makes the audience mm. he pushes them too if mm. you and if you don't like it then that's yeah that's just what it is isn't it he pushes mm. you to be better and that comes across when you hear his stuff it does challenge you and that's uh, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's why you go back to it you're like oh yeah <laughs> yeah and i think it was rick rubin who said that if you've made something and half your audience don't like it you know you're on a bit of a winner because it's mm. divided it's it's made somebody feel something that's right interesting. otherwise it's like meh, meh another song exactly totally. yep. interesting cool all right mm. uh let's move along to glenn Okay, well, after that very deep song, I don't have anything like that at all. In fact, this is a sleazy, sleazy song, um, sleazy soliloquy, um, which was probably best taken at a, a pinch of salt. So let's listen to a bit of this. This is called Nothing But A G Thing, um, and it's from Dr. Dre's um, classic album, um, The Chronic um and yeah let's have a bit of this because it's an absolute classic it's a banger
two, three into the four. Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low death, make us so we're crazy. Death Row is the label that pays, man. Unfatable, so please don't try to fake this. But uh, back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand From a young G's perspective And before me digger the bitch, I have to find a contraceptive You never know, she could be earning her man and learning her man And at the same time burning her man Now you know I ain't with that shit, Lieutenant Ain't no pussy good enough to get burned while I'm offended yeah. And that's realer than real deal, holy feel And now you hookers and hoes know how I feel Well, if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff It's like this and like that and like this and Again, like we talked about, Ian sort of introduced Dr. Dre in the last episode And I, it also was on my list as well Because Dre, brilliant, brilliant producer And mm. he, you know... I think that's the cool thing about hip-hop. It really does encourage collaboration, which then mm. opens more opportunities for these sort of moments to occur. I mean, it revolved around the MC putting the beats down. Oh, no, the beat, you know, the, 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 the DJ putting the de- beats down and then the MC is going on top of it. So there was this real interplay and then Dre just with NWA then obviously going out by himself and this album, it, it sort of really is that whole sort of West Coast sort of sound. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and that's, it's so laid back, and yet it's also got that, it's so laid back sort of chilled vibe. It's it's a brilliant track. Um, mm. It didn't get to number one because Snow's Enforcer beat it, which when you listen to Snow Enforcer, it's so bad. Mm. Um, and that's brilliant. It, yeah, it's, it's um, and I think that's what makes hip hop so interesting because it does have all of these sort of moments where you bring your friends over, hey, I've got some new beats, and then you just interplay. And, and I think that's that's why there's so many featuring such and mm. such because um, it just lends itself so well to it. Yeah, Very cool, nice. It is. I think it's super cool. All right, loving that, Martin. Your next one. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, so there's a story to this one as well, so uh, forgive me if this goes on a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about Thriller um, as an album, um, because, you know, it's that album that's got Eddie Van Halen on it. But I'm not going to talk about the Eddie Van Halen uh, collaboration. Um, you may or may not know, little known fact probably, Freddie Mercury was almost on the album. Um, in fact, Freddie and Michael became friends sort of in the early 80s um, after Michael went to heaps of Queen gigs when they were touring the States. Um, and they got to meet each other and, and ended up becoming pretty good friends and actually recorded three tracks together. Um, only one of them has ever actually been officially released, um, which was a ballad called There Must Be More to Life Than This, which Freddie actually recorded as a solo single and then later on. Mm. Um, it, it, in like 2014, it finally got a, an official release with Michael on it as well. Um, but the one I want to talk to you today is, is a song called State of Shock, um, which is a funky little song that um, they never actually finished. So there's a demo, uh, which has been out there for years, um, an unofficial demo. Um, and the song eventually got recorded with 
um, by Michael with Mick Jagger. Um, and um, Freddie basically said that, um, well, the, the collaboration ended quite abruptly. Um, and I'm going to kind of explain that in a bit. But um, Freddie said, you know, if I'd stuck with that, I would have had a song on Thriller. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, which probably would have, you know, quadrupled his, uh, his income for life, probably. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, um, so they were getting on pretty well in the studio recording this song. Um, and um, yeah, I'll play you a bit of this. This is, um, this is State of Shock. shot so the reason why it all came to a head and, and ended up like being unfinished was um, well later on many years later Freddie kind of revealed it in an interview and said um, he ended up um, calling Queen's manager a guy called Jim Beach and said um, hey Jim you've got to get me out of the studio you've got to get me out of here and uh, Jim's like well what's going on what's the what's the problem and Freddie said um, well, basically, because I'm recording with a llama, um, Michael's bringing his pet llama into the studio every day, and I'm really not used to it, and I've had enough, and I want to get out. Uh, and that was the end of the sessions. Uh, uh, so, because of a llama, oh, we never got that finished song. Uh, and uh, yeah, I there think that's possibly for the best. The fact it's pretty hard to work with someone who brings a llama in. Well, what was the what sort of llama? Like the Delhi llama, llama. No. What sort of llama? Well, I think it was a llama del rey. Llama del rey. Oh, llama del rey. Was she even llama del rey? Oh yeah. my! Uh, yeah, they were doing a cover of a llama dum ding dong. Well, I, I think, can understand. Um, llama dama ding dong. I can, yeah. I can understand Freddie A. Like Mr. Llama Llama. Shut up. Freddie's done some interesting stuff, but he's like, no, that's too weird for me, man. <laughs> yeah. <I'm outie." coughs> that thing's just totally. spitting, spitting at me every session. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. That's it. Hey, why, why have I heard that song? So was uh, it released? It, it was released, and it ended up, yeah, it ended up being Michael and, and Mick did it right. instead. Um, uh, and it was on one of 
one of Michael's albums. The third song, which has never seen the light of day, is a song called Victory. Um, and although it never saw the light of day, Michael ended up using the, the title Victory, I think it was a Jackson's album yes. in like the 80s. Um, but the song has never, never seen light of day. Um, but yeah, but the other two, are, as I say, that version of State of Shock is out there and uh, the only one to take it, the official release was the ballad. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they got Mick in it because he probably needed the money as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, it's a hard life being a musician, right? Tough being a Rolling Stone. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> And their money pits, yeah. I think we might just do some notable shout-outs. So what did you guys have around the table as what what didn't what what did you leave on the cutting room floor? Ian, any tunes that you thought maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, and you didn't? I was thinking beat it. Oh yeah. I was yep. like, nah. Nah. But yeah, it's a bit probably a bit overbaked. But mm. no, nah, I was happy with my choice. Glenn? I was like this. No, no, I had um, one more that I was going to do, and I'm pretty happy with the choice. Uh, Lady Marmalade by the Moulin Moulin Rouge soundtrack. Yep. Yep. Um, That had, um, it was a crossover. It had Christina Aguilera, Little Kim, Maya, Pink, and Missy Elliott, which is when you think about a powerhouse full of talent. All the song can barely contain them all, Um, but it's a crossover of pop, hip-hop, soul, R&B. Um, so, yeah, again, probably it's probably it's an incredible collaboration, really. I mean, I'm not a big fan of it, but now after watching a couple of documentaries, I'm like, ah, I can see why how important that song became. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That crossover thing's a key theme. I, I was going to um, go with uh, Get Lucky by... Daft Punk, oh, yeah. Nile Rogers, Pharrell Williams, Daft Punk, French electronic band, Nile Rogers, Chic, Disco, Mr. Disco, yeah. Pharrell mm. Williams, pretty decent um, record producer and rapper in his own right. Um, so three kind of mm. worlds colliding there, which um, was a huge hit. And apparently it's one of the biggest streaming songs. I can understand why. It's pretty groovy. My kids love it. Um, Martin, did you what 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 was on the cutting room floor for you? Yeah, I went with, a, with one of the most unusual collaborations I could find, which was, uh, which I think is a great track, is a KLF and Tammy Wynette doing Justified and Ancient. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just, it K- just, KLF and Tammy Wynette? Absolutely. It's, just it's really? And if you've not heard it, the, go and check it out. Ballad it's inspiredly good. Yeah, um, I, I got that go album, The White Room. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I like their song Three Am Eternal because it was fast and it was catchy. But that yeah, the Justified and Ancient, that just totally threw me that that ballad. But with, yeah. with Tammy Wynette. With Tammy Wynette. And yeah. she even appeared in the video. Um she she was totally game for it. Um oh. and wow. um, yeah, it's it's quite an interesting. There's also they also did a um a collaboration with Robert Plant as well. Mm. Pretty sure it's Robert Plant. They did "What Time Is Love" with Robert Plant. Oh, I seem wow. to remember it being on a pirate ship or something in the video, which is kind of awesome. weird. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Is that is that on an album? Yeah, uh, was it single? No, it was. On, it was. On, it was on, on the album. Yeah. It was on yeah. Acid. Yeah. Was on what, what album was it? What was the White Room, I think. The, the White Room. The White Room. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. From about '93, because I bought that like straight out of high school, sort of thing. Mm. Ah. 
lovely all right chaps thanks for that that was um it was a bloody good session and uh good to go go through your picks for um greatest collaborations certainly great in the minds of some particularly eric uh i think <laughs> <laughs> you know we should have a pick on eric Clapton, like. best oh. best rip-off artist ever i mean oh, guitarist I, ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> slow yeah. hand, my ass. God, yeah, well, God, we not should... slow hand, God. <laughs> we should probably God, pick on ass. him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I agree. Right. We should pick on him more. Yeah, it's pick brilliant. No, yep. All right, chaps. Um, and everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, that's us over and out for another session, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Music, Movies, and Madness. Ciao. Cues of the things I've said when love comes to town, I'm gonna jump the train. Love comes to town, I'm gonna catch that train. Maybe I was wrong to ever let you down, but I did what I did before love.